0: Straight Talk Live, exploring human, digital, and social transformations. And welcome to Straight Talk Live. My name is Rick Snyder. I'm one of the co-hosts of this fantastic not-for-profit show that is really centered around the key principles that we really believe in over here in really exploring the areas around human transformation, digital transformation, and social impact. These are all incredibly important conversations that we need to be need to be having more in the world right now. And so that's why we created this show, is to really invite special guests and experts who can really add to the conversation in the very questions we should be asking in this whole post-COVID, current COVID reality, as we're all trying to find our new way and really look at our new relationships to ourselves, to each other as community, to the planet, and to technology. So with that, my na- um, <laughs> you know my name is Rick. But did you know that I'm also CEO of Invisible Edge, author of Decisive Intuition, and here is my co-host, Af Mahotra. Af, take it away.
1: My name's Rick, too. (laughs) I'm kidding. This is getting weird. (laughs) So I'm Af Mahotra, and uh, delighted to have you guys on the show today, and uh, we have a wonderful guest. It's our second second show, right, Mm -hmm. for, for the new year, and we have an incredible lineup, of course. So... Um, What I say about myself, apart from privileged to be on this fantastic journey with uh, my friend Rick, and uh, we have nearly 40 guests we've had on the show now. It's crazy. And uh, so much mindshare, just all of these amazing people, intellectuals and uh, people who inspired us over the last year or so. And I think um, today we have one very special person who's going to tell us... um, about her personal story and, and definitely help us um, uh, you know, think about purpose and our path in a very different way. So over to you, Rick, and let's crack on and get into the meat of this conversation.
0: You got it. So this show is really about what does it mean to get off the train of success and actually find your purpose and your path. And I remember Tony Robbins was talking about Robin Williams at one point, and one of the most devastating tragedies of Robin Williams is when you attain a certain level of success and you're not fulfilled. And mm-hmm. just how devastating that is when that act, when that formula actually happens. And so a lot of out, a lot of those of you out there might even have that direct experience where you you know achieved what you set out to, to achieve on paper but still feel very empty inside, very unfulfilled. And that's really what our next guest, Ayelet Barron has to share with us. So Ayelet is the former Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer for Cisco Canada. She's also one of the top uh, Forbes top 50 global female futurists, which I'm very excited to get into that with you specifically. And also an author of a trilogy called Fuck the Bucket List. I've got two of them here, and the third one's still coming. Uh, And then lastly, she's just an overall badass. So I'm very excited to have you on our show. Welcome to Straight Talk Live, Ayelet.
2: Thank you for having me, and let's have some fun.
0: I agree. So let's start with that. So I know that you have a, a personal story just about <clears throat> your own levels of success and what you've achieved, and then your own journey of what happened when you crashed and burned literally. So I'd love for you just to share a bit about your background that way.
2: Yeah, I think, I think we all have stories, and, and we forget that we all have stories. And mm. um, a lot of our stories, um, we kind of suppress because they start as childhood. And it's only when we're later uh, in life that we realize um, why we're doing what we're doing. And a lot of it is through the societal conditioning that we have. And so for me, my first memory in life is war. I mean, how mm-hmm. many people can say that? I was three and a half when war broke out in my country. And, you know, if... If we lost, <laughs> it was a physical war. If we lost, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be here. And mm-hmm. I, you know, none of this would have happened. And as a three and a half year old, I saw the value of community. I saw the value of people coming together mm-hmm. during a crisis. And I saw what it was like to really um, collaborate and and work together. And um, my my parents never had a chance to get formal education. Um, my mom wanted to be a nurse, and she was told at the time that was not a good profession for a woman. And my dad went straight to work. And when I was a when I was uh, in my teens, both of them went to school and got their degrees. And I was on the path. My dad always said to me, "Get an education." And it broke his heart when I, um, when I auditioned for uh, school um, because. What, it, what would a theater major do with her life? And uh, um, I remember I got into an amazing school in the United States and the top school, theater school in Canada. And um, I was, they were trying to convince me not to do it. And my dream was to be a playwright, not to be on the stage because from the age of 15, I was in, the, in a play Um, looking at um, some really deep issues and I just had a love for the theater and I had a love of like how can we get messages across to people through writing and and storytelling and um, to his delight um, I managed to do my undergrad in two years and so I had to get a real major and I was on a track to be a professor. Um, I was going to teach And um, I have half a PhD, but I fired myself from it um, because I realized there wasn't such a thing as academic freedom. I was told how to write. I was told how to be. And Mm -hmm. I really unleashed myself and started a crazy career of success. And... um, I, you know, at the time I did what you were supposed to do. I wrote all the HR people in different companies and I got rejection letters and I sat there and I didn't know what to do. And I ended up um, writing the CEOs and within a couple of weeks, I had my first gig and um, I learned that success was not a manual. Um, but I really wanted to, to be my best and do the best and, and win. Um, and so my career progressed and then one day I found myself living in San Francisco and um, I was working for one of the top organizational change management leaders in the world. Um, also finding like what's behind, uh, I talk about it in, in the books as well, what's behind reality uh, of change and, and leadership. And I sent my, I sent my, um, my resume for a job that I saw at this little small internet company called Cisco. And I got a a rejection letter saying, sorry, um, you know, this job has been filled. And two days later, I got a call from someone from the CIO's, CIO's office. And she said, you know, when your resume came in, we know we needed to create a job for you. Wow. Uh, Wow. Yeah.
0: That's some, (laughs) I never hear that story. Yeah.
2: Um, I didn't know anybody there, you know, I had just moved to San Francisco and, um, I guess my resume said crazy troublemaker or something. And so
3: you're
1: (laughs) hired, you're hired. (laughs) You're in the right company. You're in the right company. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So after 15 interviews and it was funny, the last interview I had was going back to the CIO who pulled me, um, behind his desk on his large computer, he had my resume open. And he said to me, okay, your last interview is with HR. They're not gonna like the fact that I'm bringing you on board. So we need to change your resume.
3: <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: Cause I, I, I come more from a business background than from, from an HR background. And I think people don't understand that change is about business. And mm-hmm. it's about people and it has to be aligned with what we're creating and what leaders are. And then he said to me, if um, I'm really a terrible manager and if you really want to um, come on board then you have to report to one of my direct reports cause I just don't have time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a pretty important big guy. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, if you really want IT to be a business partner and you wanna achieve the internet capabilities that you're talking about, I have to report to you. That's part of the plan. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't really need to be managed. Um, and I've had terrible managers, I've never had a good one. So, you know, why change? <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're, we're, we're a perfect match. <laughs>
2: <laughs> At this point. <laughs> and, um, and I said, so don't bother, like don't waste your, your money, your time mm-hmm. or your energy um, hiring me if it's not gonna report to you because it's gonna send a message to the organization that what we're doing is not important. Mm-hmm. So I got the job and I walked in on day one and he gave me like one PowerPoint slide and he said, good luck.
0: He wasn't kidding.
2: (laughs) No. (laughs) And it was amazing. I mean, when I joined the company in the late nineties, it was like, it was the best place to work because Mm. we really cared about what we were doing. And what we did was... um, I created, um, with an amazing team, we created a daily portal for IT with daily information when the technology couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And um, created the first online community, internal online community in 1999 that failed because nobody knew about dialogue and communication, but Mm -hmm. I learned so much from it. And then when he left the company um, um, and to become a, a very successful VC in the Valley, um, I moved into worldwide sales uh, because the, the new CIO was more there for foundational stuff and I do strategy, I rock the boat. Um, I don't know how to do <laughs> um, just regular stuff. And I got, a, I got an opportunity to work globally. So I've managed to work in over a hundred countries around the world,
1: mm. thanks
2: to Cisco and, and worked in the mobile business in 2003, which was incredible because people mm. didn't even know how to smel- spell mobile at the time. And it didn't so matter for me to know the technology because I worked with some of the smartest people in the world. What I knew was people, what I mm. knew was human what I knew was not from a manipulation perspective, but from really understanding how we drive change and Mm -hmm. how we get people to adopt it um, Mm -hmm. through a very practical, I'm not a big formula person, but I studied how people change behavior because I know how I change behavior. And so I never tried to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And then it was great because I got to um, more success, You know, I was on the leadership team for Emerging Markets when that theater began and it was incredible. Uh, I was one of the few women from a business perspective that was on that team and it was crazy. It, it had a huge toll on my personal life. I ended up getting divorced because I was never home. Mm-hmm. I, my headquarters, I lived in San Francisco. My headquarters was London and my daily commute, no, my uh, bi-weekly commute mm-hmm. was uh, San Francisco, London. And wow. um, it was insane. Um, but I always had this thing from my parents about success, you know, and there was never a doubt that you just go out and do whatever it needs to take. And I managed to climb up and then, um, I got a, uh, I worked with a, a friend of mine who became the CEO of, um, of Cisco Canada. And he offered me to come on board because we worked really closely together around the world. And um, I told him I wasn't willing to move back to Canada. And if I could do it from San Francisco, then that's fine. And I would commute back and forth because the commute from San Francisco to Toronto, I mean, listen to this crazy logic I Mm -hmm. had. The commute from San Francisco to uh, to Toronto was better than London. So.
0: (laughs) Which is true. (laughs)
2: So uh, he ended up bringing me on board the team and um, we, he gave me, again, he told me we're number eight in revenue. I want Canada to be number three globally in revenue. And I went out and talked to hundred people um, across the business from um, all ranges, including customers, partners, and just did a big listening
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: mission. And it was really funny. I was, um, and I made sure I, I talked to the younger generation. So I had this meeting with this young woman and I said to her, what's it like to work here? And she said to me, you know, people come here to die. And I went, what? People are dying here? What do you mean (laughs) she goes no look around it's mostly like men in their 50s or late 40s you know they work and then they might get a drink and then they go home to their families but like as a young person there's not a lot of like socialization apart from from the job and it's just like it just doesn't feel like it's alive and so I ran into his office and I said hey (laughs) We got to shake things up and, and we did, you know, we, we, we moved from, you know, from, from a success perspective, we moved from number three so from number eight in revenue to number three to number two, which meant we were number one because the U S was number one, but globally, you know, we beat the UK, we beat Japan, we beat Germany and it was insane. You know, it was just insane. And, and what,
0: what was the key to that uh, succession? What was the key to that jump to number two, would you say?
2: We did, a, we, did a, um, we did a whole strategy that was based on integrating everybody and really listening to everybody and looking at the different markets. Mm-hmm. And we even brought some people in that were in the political stream to help us navigate how decisions are made externally in the world. And we had more open. Plus we started using our own technology. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I, would, I, I totally changed um, mm-hmm. how we worked and started working out loud where mm-hmm. people from different offices started to collaborate and mm-hmm. the managers were the ones to run the meetings, not you know, being talked at. I mean, mm-hmm. we would have these meetings and, um, and he would, with the, my boss would call me and say, hey, I got this meeting, where are my slides? I'm like, there are no slides. People are asking questions and you need mm. to answer. And, mm. um, and so it was, it was really and an very deep relationships, but, and, and, and also doing a lot of, the reason I was in San Francisco was advocating with the senior executives. We had to change some things in the metrics. We had to change some things in the finance perspective that people weren't aware of uh, when it came to a unique country. Mm -hmm. Um, and we really, um, there was also a global program around countries, which was Mm -hmm. later killed and went back to centralization after I Mm -hmm. left. Mm -hmm. But, um, at one point I was so stressed out and I was working so hard. I was traveling so much. I was so tired and there was so much internal politics. It wasn't even funny. It's the stuff we don't talk about. And I got to um, San Francisco early in the morning to take my flight to uh, to Toronto because I was was doing a presentation for 2000 people and I had customer and partner meetings. And I don't know what happened that day, but that day the whole airport was nuts. I went to check in And they took my my passport and disappeared for, and I'm like, I'm going to miss my flight. I don't know what's going on. And then they came back with my passport and they said, go to the gate. We can't give you a, a boarding pass. Just go to the gate. I get to the gate. It's a mess. There's no communication. Like I had all the signs of go home. And I was like, no, I got to do it. I am so important. I'm so, they need me so much. I got to do this, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, you know, and people are screaming at me and I'm like, I just want to know what's happening. And and so finally, um, I don't even know what happened, but it, finally some, they called me up and they gave me a boarding pass. And I got on the plane and this was the first time I was breaking company policy because I was saving them money. Hmm. And I was taking two flights instead of one.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And um, I didn't get the, you know, cause I was on, I, I had medical issues that came from, you know flying 300,000 miles a year. Wow. So I, just, I broke policy, my HR person knew I broke, I broke policy and I got on the plane and I sat down and I was so stressed. And all of a sudden the gate agent comes on and she goes, where's your boarding pass? And like, like I'm a little criminal and I'm looking for it and I can't find it. I'm like, I might put it in the overhead, but I don't know, this is my seat. I know I'm in my seat. She's like, I need you to get up. And it was like, she was yelling it in front of the entire plane. And I said to her, listen, I got my 1 million mile flyer card on Saturday. Is this how you treat your 1 million mile flyers? Like, what is going on? And she just... And I refuse to get out of my seat. And I have been in enough flights to see people get arrested. People been taken off planes for not closing their, 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 their um, what's the, the trade table? Trade table. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, whatever, whatever happens today, the universe. Okay. So she comes back and she starts yelling at me and I refuse and I'm just like not getting embarrassed. And finally this, this couple gets on with their, with their uh, two year old and five year old. And the, the gate agent says to them, it's open seating now, go sit wherever you want. And the father looks at her and says, you mean you want my two year old to sit by themselves? And she goes, I don't fucking care. I just wanna get Whoa. this damn plane off the ground. Whoa. And so again, people started moving around making space, you know, and we were all fine. And then we finally took off And the flight attendant came by and and he's like, what's going on? I said, I have no idea. And he started apologizing to me on behalf of the airline. And we're halfway, we're almost at Denver when they announced that one of our engines blew. Whoa. (laughs) And we have to turn around and go back. Oh, boy. And I started putting on all my devices. And, um, and I just thought, this is so funny. Like, I don't give a shit anymore because if this is the way I'm going to go, I'm going to (laughs) go. Anyhow, they told us not to worry, but it was crazy. Um, And everybody on the plane had a story. One woman was going in for her cancer surgery, which is scheduled at a certain time. Like everybody had a story on that plane. And they told us not to worry. But when we we literally crash landed with the ambulance, you know, I won't get into it because I can't relive this trauma. It was really Mm -hmm. bad. But here I am. My phone rings when we land and it's telling me that I missed my flight. Mm -hmm. Not that they rebooked me. Not that they gave a shit. Not that like, thank you, you're alive. Mm -hmm. You missed your flight. Mm -hmm. And I went back outside to the counter to rebook my flight to get because I was so, remember I told you I was so important Right. And I didn't even notice how physically hurt I mm-hmm. was. Right. And then they told me, OK, we can get you on the red eye. I'd been there since the morning. They said, we can get you on the red eye, the last seat next to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know what, I'm done. I said, I'm leaving. And I, I left and I went back home. Mm-hmm. And I should have gone to emergency. The next day, I went to urgent care. And the guy told me I was insane that I didn't go. And he put me on medical leave. And I contacted people at work and they were like, what do you mean? Like, you got to be here. (laughs) And I said, well, I can't. And I continued to work like a mad person for about two and a half weeks, (laughs) virtually. And I went back to the doctor and he said to me, like, if you continue on, you're just, you're going to die. You can't do this. You got to stop. And so I did. And after three months, I called my boss and I said, listen, I can't tell you how many times I've asked you to fire me or to give me the early retirement package when you told me I was too young, but I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said to me? He said to me, but Ayala, you always play hurt. Oof. And I said to him, what does that mean? He said, you always put the company first. Mm-hmm. And I said, no more. I said,
3: mm-hmm. I could
2: go on leave and your headcount will be stuck for another three months or, you know, I'm telling you to free it up and, and you can go hire someone else. Cause I'm not coming back. I can't, my, mm-hmm. my life is too precious to do it. And when I found out that my role was replaced by three and a half men, I really knew I was insane.
1: <laughs> wow. Wow. So can I, I mean, it, there's so much in there. And um, I, I can relate to a lot of it myself because I went through a similar journey um, when I was in the corporate. Um, I won't go into that today, of course, because it's about you today and, and your story. But I, I have to ask you this question. I, I'm really confused. I, I don't understand why we, I'll include myself in it because I did what you did at one point and I had a different health experience. But uh, there's some sort of a drug. This mm-hmm. is some sort of a corporate drug. Um, as an entrepreneur, I can, I now, uh, I'm perplexed by my behaviors because I, I this is my world this is I am the owner of my world, my destiny, my business it's mine if I screw it up it's mine and, and whatever right But I was working for other people and it's good to work for other people because that's just the way the world goes around. But there is a fine line between working really hard and giving giving your best and then doing what you've described and thank you for being so honest and open about it. why, why have you ever thought about why you did that?
2: It was the manual I was given. It was it was the way that we were supposed to be, I mean, especially for women. I, I, I can speak for women. We were taught to suck it up. We were taught that we could be everything, you know? And I don't wanna be Superwoman anymore. Like, I don't wanna be a, a, a character in, in a, or I, I don't wanna live in a world of heroes anymore, but we were taught that success was the drug. And if you do all this, you would be happy. And you're not, you know, most people are not happy. And we've created a society we, where we define ourselves by what we do. Yes. Not, yeah. You know, I want to live in a world of lifeaholics, not workaholics. Yeah. No, I don't believe in work-life balance. It's a myth. Mm-hmm. It's bullshit. There's yeah. only life. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we can teach kids and if we could teach ourselves that there's only life and life is one big, amazing adventure And we don't have to split ourselves into professional self and personal self and have different wardrobes and have different talk Mm -hmm. and just show up as who we are. Like, you know, we've been masked for years. Mm -hmm. It's just not been physical. So, I Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to know more about your story at some point too, because I think there's a lot of healing that needs to take place and it's addictive. Mm -hmm. I got addicted to travel. Yeah so important that, you know, when they told me that I had to be back in whatever country around the world, I did everything to be there at my own expense. Like I did not have children and it's, it's, I'm not a victim. It was my choice, but my work, you know, my dad put in my mind because of his story Mm. and there's so much ancestral trauma that we carry around with us everywhere we go and the voices in our head. Yeah. That's I,
0: just, I just want to double click on this because it's so important in, in the sense of, you know, we all have this programming that we've received, mostly from our family of origin, but also our culture, religion, politics, whatever our community, whatever it might be. And part of my manual that, that, operate, that my operating system has often been exactly what you're describing, where I'm valued for what I do, not for who I am. So it's what I did, the accomplishments that got the recognition, that got the validation right. from my family, from authorities, you know, from school, from whatever it was. Yeah. And that kept me going in the business world. And I was a salesperson. I was a top salesperson on a 120 person sales team. And at some point my director said, are you enjoying what you're doing? And I didn't even know where, I wasn't even aware that I wasn't. And yeah. she, but she saw that in me. I was just kind of going to the next sale or to the next thing. And it wasn't, it was like a little flash of adrenaline, but that was about it at some Mm -hmm. point and it wasn't a deeper meaning for me Mm -hmm. and she saw that and I actually had to reflect like wow I'm actually not I'm kind of miserable even though I'm the top salesperson okay I made it now what Mm -hmm. right and how many people out there can can really relate to that right now Mm -hmm. what's your what's your manual what's your operating system what's keeping you on the wheel and are you having a moment to pause and really self-reflect I think this is such an important conversation
1: I mean the other thing sorry go on no go on go on I mean, the other thing I just wanted to add to both your points is um, this might sound really sort of um, old school for a lot of people who are younger on the show, as in our straight talkers. But in the old days, we used to have this thing called a business card. It's like this card. You write your name on it and you write your job title on it. Hopefully it's got some president or some vice president stuff on it as well. And then you've got the logo of the company and you print loads of them and they're high quality, really high quality and the higher the quality, the better you feel about yourself along with the office that you've got. And then when you travel on planes, you, you and your business card, I know this sounds very mentally distressing and we we probably think we're probably unwell, maybe we were. You are symbiotically connected to the business card. You become the business card. And that is a, that is a cancer is a disease. I don't know if a lot of people hopefully relate to this. I detached from that business card. What I mean by that is my identity was the fact that I was this person at this company with this job title and therefore that way of thinking and to, to Rick's point that was getting reinforced by the community. I was in fantastic. Oh my God, you're doing so well. Great. Um, Islets and planes or, well, oh, you know, she's like, she's a million miles. I mean, she's totally happening. She's doing it. You know, she's earning loads of money. She's the, one of the most successful women I've ever seen. All of that stuff, re- reinforcing, um, the significance and importance of what we know is probably not good for us, but we continue hanging out in that, in that sort of wormhole.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Um, and I think your breakthrough was that unfortunate event where the plane crashed and what's worse is that you carried on and you still thought, ah, and I, I'll only share a small thing when I was in the company uh, and the company I used to work for, I was in a similar position. I did about 30 flights in one quarter in Europe and I was, uh, and I had a friggin' broken hip. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that until I went to one of the destinations and someone got it x-rayed, but I was taking, I was taking a drug and actually I was in India. I remember I had a work trip and I had a lot of family there. I was limping around. They're like, what are you doing? I said, oh, some sort of, ah, oh, was hurting, just limping around. And I was taking this thing called Combiflam. It's a, a drug in India. It's like paracetamol and ibuprofen in one, cause it works better. And I'm knocking them back. I'm just I'm just thinking about it now. And So we do these ridiculous, ludicrous, nonsense things um, because I, I do think I had a problem and I, I had an addiction problem. And luckily, I don't. Uh, I had a bit of an addiction when I was building my company as an entrepreneur. But I've 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 gone I've rehabbed again, uh, thanks to Straight Talk Live and all these great people who come on here. But I just thought I'll share that because. Um, It's so important for people to hear this because you're probably going through it and i wish someone had told me this then they hadn't and you know you had to go through trauma so did i and i had to do it again and again to realize what how crazy insane i was at that point but back to you tell us about these books though what 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 inspired you to write these books what's the what's in them unfortunately i haven't read it but i will and i'll get a signed copy for sure um, and,
0: and and it's a trilogy and I know you have two of them rolled out and one of them one of them is just coming out on the shelves and there's a third one you're writing right now. Uh, tell us like so it's called Fuck the Bucket List. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Let's start there.
2: Well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. Um so I wrote these books because I wish I had them when I was going on this journey and mm-hmm. so and and I I was looking everywhere. I mean I wish I had your show when I was going, you know, these are all the things that are coming together for us. There's different places um, where we can actually be who we are. And to me, fuck the bucket list is about putting down the manual of success of how we were told life should be Mm -hmm. to really do our inner work and discover what, why we're here and what, what turns us on and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I went through like a crazy experience of, um, finding myself in the new age craze with all the gurus and people telling me to manifest anything. And, and it was crazy or to, you know, they wanted to hold um, my wallet while I was going through the dark night of the soul. And it was, (laughs) and it was just nuts because, you know, I just, I was just kind of like, I was always curious about life and I was always wondering like, why are we here and who created us? And then I realized in 2016, when I published my first book, Our Journey to Corporate Sanity, about conscious leadership, um, I moved to a very remote area um, to start a leadership, a conscious leadership academy um, in a rural area where you can only get here by boat and, and, and small plane or ferry. And um, I, I realized that you know we have different philosophies and ideas and i know you've had great physicists on this on this show as well but uh we have different ideas of who created the planet who created the sun who created um the animals and us but we don't know for sure not one person can say this is this is it and it's all based on our beliefs and yet When you look at the world that we created and our ancestors created, we can go back and see who created education, who created health, who created taxation, who created business, which is really at its infancy, Mm. who created agriculture. I mean, we know all these things. And so if we are such powerful creators, not manifestors, because it takes work to take an idea, and both of you are are very amazing entrepreneurs. So it's not like you just said, I want a business and you know, I want, yeah, I want my twin flame and you open the door (laughs) and there he or she is or it or whatever. And, and um, you know, it just doesn't happen that way. And so I wrote the books for the creators of the world. These books are Mm -hmm. not for everyone. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a victim, if you want to conform if you want to stay and you want to say, this is it That's great, this book is not for you, but Mm -hmm. I believe that we're on a timeline split right now. I believe that we are in this amazing point in history despite all the external noise that's out there because there are people that are continuing to feed the machine and to wanna save and make a dying world of greed, a dying Mm -hmm. world of productivity and efficiency and burnout and depression and cancer Mm -hmm. and illness better. And then there's a whole bunch of pioneers and visionaries that are stepping out. And we're creating amazing things. I'm working on the third book, which is Fuck the Bucket List for the Health Conscious. And I just talked to a number of people from different parts of the world who are creating amazing programs in education, mm-hmm. where you really unleash the poten- t- potential of children. Mm-hmm. And through through amazing things that are happening through science, through to animals. I mean, it's just incredible the things, but we don't get to know about it because
3: yeah. Yeah.
2: you know, my master's thesis was on the impact of television on the American political system. So I'm very uh, aware of physical reality of what's going on. And it's fascinating to me to see what's going on right now, because mm-hmm. it all comes down to human behavior and how we're socialized. So these books are for anyone who really wants to do our inner work and not in a hokey new age kind of way, but really asking questions. And I know Rick, Rick, maybe you could, as somebody who experienced them, maybe you could tell me if I'm totally out to lunch or not.
0: Yeah. I reviewed, um, fuck the bucket list for the adventure, which is the second book in the series. And what I was impressed by Ayelet is there's a way where you cut right to the bone. Like you don't have the new age flowery BS. And there's something very refreshing about that where you ask a lot of provocative questions for the reader in each chapter that has me think about my life and my relationship to the various topics you talk about and how to relate to the unknown and question what I think I know. Um, And, you know, one of the common phrases we have at the show a lot is making friends with uncertainty. Um, And so how do you actually do that? So there's just a way I found your book very grounded, practical, hard-hitting. And and it's a nice balance of that because a lot of times the new age stuff is too flowery. The practical profit-only world is just devoid of soul. And so you seem to find a really nice balance of how do you walk a path that's meaningful and is practical also.
1: Mm. I have a a question. Do you think with the experiences that you've been through – do you think it's important to go through the phases um, that you've described to get here? Or can one bypass some of this? Um, what's your view?
2: Well, if I, was, if I was a spiritual guru, I would tell you that you would be spiritually bypassing, but I call bullshit mm-hmm. on, on that. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is nobody knows you. Like how could somebody give you a manual of how to be successful in your life? Mm -hmm. When we don't know you, right? I mean, it's like, how can I make your, you know, when I, when I left Cisco, I got calls from different companies and they said, could you come in and talk to our staff? Because we want to be the next Google. We want to be the next Facebook. And I'm like, why? Do you know who Mm. you are? Mm. Like, you don't have the infrastructure to do that, but you have your own infrastructure, you have your own people, so why don't you find out how you can be the best you can be without having to be, like, you know, this whole thing about best practices is bullshit, because what's your practice, what works for you, like, people ask me often to meditate and I'm like, yeah, but in my own way, it's not in a way, you know, I have friends who meditate like in the morning, in the evening, the way I do it, that what they do isn't for me. And so two things in the first book that are really important that I bring in is the shift that we're on is moving away from good and bad, right and wrong, appropriate and inappropriate in our lives because those were created for the lowest common denominator those were created to govern us. And we get into these fightings about mm-hmm. you're good, I'm bad, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. What, what for me, what worked really well, and I actually wanna do a kid's book on this, is what's healthy and what's toxic in your life.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: So the beliefs that you put in your mind,
3: mm-hmm.
2: are they yours? And are they healthy or toxic for you? Mm-hmm. Are the people you put in your heart Are they healthy or toxic for you? Mm -hmm. And then the product services that you consume in your body, on your body, um, are they healthy or toxic? Uh, Maget Wade, who's the CEO of Skin is Skin is amazing, amazing. And she told me um, that anything that you put on your body, you have to be able to eat. Mm. Now, we don't teach the body. We don't teach the body. And when I talk about body, I'm talking about emotional. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about physical and I'm talking about spiritual. Mm -hmm. Imagine as a kid, if we taught ourselves about the body and all of it in Mm -hmm. a holistic way. Right. Right. And kids would know it's not for me. Those kids that are bullying me are toxic. I don't even want to be friends with them.
3: Right. But
2: success tells me I have to be friends with them because they're popular and I'm not.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really like like Go Sorry, go on. Go on you go first.
0: You know, I, I really like how you're fine-tuning about the personal here because an, an analogy that comes to me is we all have different allergies, right? And so yeah. we have to really get to know our own system because what might be allergic to AF is different than for me and therefore a one size doesn't fit all in any of these kind of approaches and it, it falls flat. The question I wanted to ask you about is if you were to re-enter the corporate culture, what would you be looking for in a company culture that would have you feel, your nervous system would relax. Your nervous system would say, yes, I can do this. What would you be looking for in terms of leadership, culture that would have you feel good about integrating into that system?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a great question because I don't want people to fire themselves like I did. Mm-hmm. I want to create healthy organizations. And that's mm-hmm. why like, I think the work that you two are doing and, and many of your guests is really important because I think we need thriving organizations that are healthy. Um, I would look at the fact, is corporate social responsibility a function or is it a way of working? Yeah. Is diversity to inclusion a function or are you hiring the best and brightest and, and the most meaningful um, in, in your positions? I wouldn't be counting how many of each are there. I would be looking at your business and what you're trying to accomplish in the marketplace, and then look inside and see does your business reflect that in how you operate? I still think we haven't scratched the surface when it comes to community and dialogue and communication. It's not about more pushing more leadership development programs and training because once my hope and dream is that these books and this work that we're all doing reaches millions and millions and billions of people and more of us step into our power and understand that leadership is not outside ourselves. Mm -hmm. So if the organization would allow people to step up and not have this fabricated, like, oh, here you do a survey and you give your feedback, Mm -hmm. because as a futurist, I predicted like about 10 or 15 years ago that, you know, performance reviews are going to go, all these, all these, all these are so fake. Like, think Mm -hmm. about it in 2000, uh, what, what are we now? 2021 on a financial spreadsheet, the furniture in an office is considered an asset. The mm-hmm. people are a liability. Mm-hmm. Where are the accountants? Where are the finance people? Where are the legal people? Where are the HR people that are really valuing people beyond the culture statement? So mm-hmm. I would look at the foundation. And what's happening now in the world is that the foundation of our world is rotten. It's like you're, you're standing in a house where the foundation is rotten. It's, it's infested with all kinds of insects and things. And, and we're building another story and another story and another story. And it's time, like life and death is just part of life. If you go on a farm, you'll see life and death mm-hmm. every second in a soil, there's 2 million organisms. Mm-hmm. And so when you get connected with nature and you don't forget that you're part of nature, And that it's not outside of yourself and that the organization can be holistic where you're not fighting for, for headcount and you're actually doing work. Imagine a place where people come to work and and they find joy and play. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's not like sitting on a zoom all day, feeling depleted or being on an airplane or, you know, because it's not going to come from the top. This Mm -hmm. is the myth. The change that we're looking for, this is why these, the, this work is so important, is only going to come from us. It's not going to come from a guru. It's not going to come from quoting someone else. And I quote a lot of people. I mean, one of the people that I love, who I think is the original business hippie, is, is uh, Bucky Fuller. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was standing there ready to take his life um, because he thought his wife and child would get the insurance money because he failed at everything. Um, He failed once, and and he got this message saying, "You're here for spaceship Earth," mm -hmm. and the more businesses that are about, you know, humanity and thinking about the community and Mm -hmm. making conscious choices, Mm
3: -hmm. we
2: would have amazing lives because we didn't come to this planet to suffer. Like Mm -hmm. we didn't.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the you know it's it's known to all of us. I mean, Oscar Wilde's quote, well, I, I love it, is. Uh, be yourself everyone is already taken and it's important to know that in today's world because uh, this concept of role models is also an interesting one so you know it's fantastic you've written these books and you've broken out of the corporate and you've created a new world for yourself and I think um I'm speaking now to the younger generation I notice a lot and we just we were discussing this the other day actually Rick and I there is this whole um a movement of uh, spirituality right now, young people um, jumping onto spirituality and I don't blame them. They have so much stress. I mean, they've, especially the, you know, the, the, the gen Z. I mean, they've they're just growing up in this world full with unemployment and pandemics. It's tough. And um, you know, they're turning to something to reduce the stress levels oxidized stress is so high. And then of course there's the, the extra pressure from the family and friends who have an expectation so it's funny, we see many, many young people turning to, you know, spiritual gurus or doing coaching courses to become coaches and people Sometimes personal, personal development
0: gurus, personal
1: development gurus, you know, mm-hmm. some very young, I mean, like someone who's like 22 is, you know, now aspiring to coach people who've been through 10x uh, yeah. more trauma. And I don't think that's right or wrong. I'm not being facetious about it or anything. But um, we have, we have to contend with that in society as well. And why I'm talking about all of this is because there's so many things going on. I mean, call it noise, who knows, where one gets distracted. And it's the similar distraction or addiction to what we were talking about earlier. The corporate is an addiction of its own kind. But the addiction of, well, I don't have any answers. I may as well live my destiny and I'll go and change the world with this, make a dent in the world and so on. And we never regulate those things, do we? Um, it's, it's, it's all free. I mean, you know, to do whatever you want. Um, and I, why I'm talking about that slightly different point, but I wanted to come back to what you said earlier. One of the things we've done in my company is um, talking about fun, making life fun. We've, we've changed uh, language. We've changed language. So we don't use goals anymore. We don't use targets anymore. Um, And the reason we don't, and it might be like, oh my God, you're never going to succeed for some people is because we started to realize at a human level, it causes anxiety and it causes stress and it causes frustration because that comes from not meeting an expectation. And then everyone's angry with each other. And then you get super pissed off because Rick didn't do a good job, but Af did. And then I uh, crushed it, but the next person didn't. So we said, no, none of that. And we accept those things are kind of goals and aspiration you know our goals and targets but we call them aspirations we call them direction I like which direction we headed in guys and it's funny that we you know we've set a goal for ourselves or aspiration for ourselves and a direction and we're getting to that direction we're moving in that direction and there's no destination we're like if we hang if we just kind of just jump you know get get to that area somehow and we're like okay we're headed towards that area and it's funny how the team comes together. And we try best not to use the language that is related to stress. Uh, and I'm a sales guy. And I mean, I told, I love all that stuff, but actually it's not really helped me in my life. got to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel. What's your view on it? Because of course you've, you know, you're, you're nodding your head. What's your, what's your take on it? Language.
2: It's so important. And, you know, frame of reference is everything. Like I could no. say to you guys, we're going to have the best lunch today and mm-hmm. we're all going, we're going to have the most amazing lunch, but yeah. what that means to each of us is different. And yeah. we don't go enough into question everything and say what it means. Cause then we get disappointed, right. And yeah. in work and personal relationships, we'll say, Hey, yeah, but everybody's got this different frame of reference. So the language does, does, but it, it's also a business. Somebody created, you know, six Sigma, somebody created TQM. For those of you that are young, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But whatever, you know, whatever the new, you know, fat is, because that's what feeds their business. And we're not going back and saying, does that make sense? Does that integrate? And that's what's happening a lot in spirituality. People are doing a lot of plant medicine right now. You said yeah. no bullshit. And it's opening people up and, and making people vulnerable. But you have to be really careful about who's guiding you. Yeah, and, 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 and where you're at, because that energy, like that consumption, why it's so important to know what's healthy and toxic in your life, because we're now creating energy um, in, mm. in how we're feeling within ourselves. And so if you were criticizing me, or you just called me on something, that energy would come through to everything else. and so there's a lot of new age people saying you create your own reality and i'm like take this brick and hit it over your head what are you talking about there's a Mm -hmm. physical reality Mm -hmm. yes you're in charge of you get up in the morning and you see sunshine or you see you know death Mm -hmm. i mean it's up Mm -hmm. to you and how you react to this physical reality and the people that you're with but i can't tell you how many people have told me just manifest
3: Mm
2: -hmm. you know there's no tesla in my driveway um (laughs) Prince Charming is not standing out there, you know, and so, you know, manifest means like what you're talking about is your aspirations and Rick, your book, Mm -hmm. your book, which I'm loving, um, is amazing because it talks about the invisible Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and we've always kind of looked at what's visible and given it traction, but it's it's the invisible. That, you know, and so much of what you're talking about, I'm writing about right now in in being health conscious, because a lot about it is knowing your heart Mm -hmm. and knowing what's in here. And the new age people will tell you, go from your mind to your heart. No, you know, get rid of your ego. No, have a healthy ego. Mm -hmm. Have alignment between your mind and your heart. Mm -hmm. Become whole. Yes. And cleanse. Know that that voice—that's your father or your grandmother or whoever—that's in your head—that's telling you no, you can't. There's there's a really um, I learned this from 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 somebody that you know fear is part of life, and so there are all these people writing about the fearless organization, the fear, but fear is healthy. We mm-hmm. have people now teaching us how to be human, how to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. and what I'm trying to say is be human. Like you can't experience happiness all the time. It's a delusion.
3: Mm-hmm. You
2: can't yeah. experience joy all the time.
3: Right.
2: You know, I know when I go through really, really rough times that I'm cleansing and coaching and I allow yeah. myself. Yeah. And I don't only do it for myself, but I do it for for, for, for others because that's my spiritual practice. Yeah. And I just wanted to give a plug to my co-author of the books So these books were written for me from the universe. It has, Mm. I was, I'm just a messenger of it. Mm. And it has a lot of universal um, knowledge in it. And I see people who experience the book as co-creators, because what I, what I hope is that you can then go out and make healthy decisions in your life. Or you could be the next creator of whatever business environment, whatever system that there is out there and find out the other co-creators. And when I'm finished with the third book, I'm starting to work on a platform um, to connect creators in the world mm, Um nice. be able to have these conversations in an yeah. ongoing way.
0: And that's very much what we're doing at Straight Talk Live here with all of our special guests. So I'm glad to have you in the mix now as part of one of those leading voices with our other amazing colleagues that we're going to be creating a lot of exciting things with too. So that's exciting for us. I have a question about futurists. Being one of the top 50 global female futurists. I have a question for you. My question is, given the craziness of the world right now and COVID and political instability and so behavior from the top down, <laughs> And all this stuff going on. Um, what do you see in the next couple of years? Where do you think we're moving as a culture, as a human race, mm-hmm. um, with climate, with um, the tribalism and trying to find a deeper um, human centric way of being together? What 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 feels realistic? And when you go into your futurist space, what are you seeing is happening and needs to happen in the next next few years?
2: Mm-hmm. We got to start with doing our own work. <laughs> got to stop the blaming, the shaming, the judgment, the being offended, the the division. Um, I didn't tell this part of, of my story, but it's it's in the book. But, you know, I got invited to go to the Amazon rainforest with Lindtwist and a group of women looking at maternal health. And it was at that point when I was deep in the Amazon on a trip I never thought I would have um, gone. To, you know, I was ready for a spa, not... not um, <laughs> being Indiana Jones there um, and, um, and, and it was just, I learned from the local tribes and the local people of how they govern, cause I asked them um, and you know, they go, they don't know who the next leader will be. They go into these massive meetings and somebody says this person will be great. And the 26 year old all of a sudden is, is the leader for the next couple of years. But I realized that we're, we're, we're so part of nature And in Western culture, we've been so divided. Like we go to nature to detox. Well, we are nature, we detoxing from ourselves. So the more people that become conscious and stop buying and consuming things that are cancerous and really looking at reality for what it is and and understanding, I think the more that people go to the root cause Um, I have a huge shout out right now for my friend, Tim McDonald, who is in chemo watching this. Mm. And, um, you know, a month ago, we didn't know he had stage four colon cancer. And now we do. And the amount of community that has come around for him Mm. in his battle, in his fight has been amazing. And he's been an amazing spokesperson now about be aware of sugar, go get Mm. tested, the more people that are don't don't talk, they don't even say vulnerability. They just live the way they they need to, and they spark others. That's where we're headed. But if you want to keep fighting, if you want to keep in the division, you know Jerry Garcia said, um, you know, when you have two evils, you still have evil. And so the foundation of our house is rotting. As a futurist. And we don't need to build more stories. We don't need to build a skyscraper. We need to create new, fresh, healthy land. We need to know what goes into our soil. We need to know what we're consuming. And we need to really look at things in alignment with nature because you talk about climate and all these things. We need to teach our kids love, Mm -hmm. you know? We need to love ourselves. It's not always about going out and changing someone else. And it's and and you know, for what you said earlier, no one's coming to save us. We mm-hmm. have I don't want to live in a hero mentality. I don't trust politicians. I don't trust philanthropists. Mm-hmm. I don't you know, why should I trust them? I mm-hmm. trust you guys. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, the question is, who do you trust and do you trust yourselves? Because from mm-hmm. an early age, we learn to trust everyone else apart from ourselves. So if you are in a job that you hate. Ask yourself why and and the, the, the answer isn't always to leave. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe at some point in my life, I'll go back in because business needs people like me. I don't know
3: because
2: mm-hmm. um, I'm trekking into the unknown. I don't know. But I wanna create a platform and then I, I don't wanna run it. I wanna create jobs for other people. I want, I want other people to step up. I'm looking for technologists mm-hmm. that really understand how to build true social networks because we don't have them now. Mm-hmm. And that's what's possible because we're doing everything in the same way. All our, I mean, we could do another um, show on social media and, yeah. and how insane it is because we do not have networks Mm -hmm. we're just recreating things spirituality is a big business in the Mm -hmm. world today we know we are we are tracking the cost of human trafficking we -hmm. have a billion dollar number associated with human trafficking which is sick Mm -hmm. so what we need to deal with are the infections of our mind Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: that's what we need to deal with Mm -hmm. and look at how we can live a healthy life how we don't have to be pressured how we can have joy and play because that's the world I want to live in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's my futuristic, you know, and I'm, I'm 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 in a very minority on this because most people want to talk about the next big technology and the next, mm-hmm. but the next big app is humanity and it's nice. your own humanity.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. The next big app is your humanity. And what I really heard you say is it's time for all of us to do our work and to be willing to lean into those uncomfortable places. And I like what Dr. Brene Brown says in her research, that if we're not willing to feel the uncomfortable emotions, we limit feeling the positive ones as well, the wonderful emotions of life, the love, the joy, because we're keeping in this safe bandwidth of just getting by and being okay. So it really is a testament out there for all of you who, you know, and we all do it, we all tend to avoid the uncomfortable stuff, right? So what does it mean to lean in a little bit more and ask for help? and be willing to breathe and feel through and have that confidence that actually that's a faster pathway and a more integrative pathway than just trying to get by and muscle through like we've done for so many centuries.
1: Yeah, bang on.
2: And for what so, mentioned earlier um, about like the addiction of work mm-hmm. and your story, to me, like uh, what I've learned is not at my expense. Mm-hmm. So
0: nice. Yeah
2: you know, nice. start asking yourself, like, is this my dream? Am I connecting my dream with a company's dream? Yeah, is why I'm just as important as the company. Yeah. So am i doing it at my expense and stop doing things at your own expense.
0: Love it. We have to wrap up. I Um, fantastic show. Thank you so much for your passion, your energy, your work. And where can people find out more about you and your work? Where, where should they go?
2: Um, just, if you know how to spell my name, you could find me anywhere on the internet.
0: <laughs> and if they didn't, how would they spell that?
2: <laughs> it's dot com, mm. And you can also find me through friends. I also want to give a shout out to Mark Way, who's an amazing human oh, being yeah.
3: who Mark. connected
2: Rick and me. And I want to tell you that it's all about community and it's all mm-hmm. about reaching out and dialogue. And, and I no. don't take it for granted for a minute because it's not just about the influencers. And so reach out, talk, Mm -hmm. connect. And um, yeah, you could find um, my books anywhere um, around the Mm -hmm. world, but only in English right now.
0: Mm. Well, wonderful to have you on. I know we'd love to have you back. Uh, Love to talk about social media and much more. So thank you again. And for all of those out there for our show next week, um, we have a very special honor of welcoming uh, John Perkins, who wrote uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, amongst many other several bestsellers. And it's actually very much related to the topic today of the de- he's going to go into the death economy versus the life economy. <laughs> and that we're now at our current crossroads of the choices that we make around consumption, regeneration. What does that really look like to have a life economy, not just one based off this death economy that we've been circulating for centuries? So stay tuned for next week. And then lastly, uh, don't forget our Maverick Leaders program. We have amazing special guests. We'll have Ayelet on here at some point soon as well. Um, And so just go to straighttalk.live forward slash MLP. And you can see a free network we have there, all kinds of amazing content materials to help you get in that Maverick Leader mindset to inspire whatever you might be doing in the world. That's the whole point of this program. Mm -hmm. So Af, you want to say goodbye? to our uh, audience here. yeah I mean,
1: th- thank you guys wonderful show islet that was absolutely magnificent and we're already getting some messages by the way we were streaming on social media as well right so we had facebook and youtube running so um powerful session thank you looking forward to the third book uh, the trilogy and um looking forward to a signed copy um look after yourself and and namaste be well
0: namaste and you can also catch us on spotty spotify and itunes if you want to hear the audio of this show okay thank you all Ayolette, see you soon. Be Thank well.
2: You. you guys rock.
0: You too. Bye-bye.